Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The 2014 film Love and Mercy is based on a true story about Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys and many of the challenges he faced with his mental illnesses. Joining us today is Anne Feustel, author of the book, Our Favorite Movies, How Films Affect Our Mental Health. Um, and thank you for being here today. I, I appreciate it. I'm so happy to be on the show again. Look, guys, and um, and hold that thought. Um, and so, the, so this episode does come with an announcement. I do want to mention a couple of resources up front. There is a crisis text line in the U.S. You can text home, H O M E, two seven four one seven four one. In the UK, you can text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. Depending on where you are in the world, I believe there are some other local text lines as well. Um, so check your, your local listings, as they say. Um, and thank you for being here today. Yeah, like and, I said, I'm excited to be on again. Definitely, and, and so here is the drumroll please uh, announcement uh, for the show. You will be joining us the first Monday of every month. So mark your, your calendars, everybody, for the first Monday of, of every month. Uh, you're going to be uh, joining us. So yeah. this, this is going to be cool. I, I'm so, so thrilled and so honored to have you uh, have me on as a regular guest. I really appreciate it. Definitely. And as I, as I was mentioning to you um, before, I hit, before I hit record, this is a, a good way to kind of get the, you know, get things in balance in a way, because I know there are some episodes where it's skews more towards the movie side of things. And, and there are some episodes where it skews more towards the, the non-movie side of things. And so this is a good way to kind of just kind of get things, you know, kind of set the, the month right in a way. And so very happy that, that, that you'll be here the, the first Monday of, of the month. And um, now this film, uh, Love and Mercy, uh, many people don't know who Brian Wilson is. Um, and for those who might not know, because many people know who the Beach Boys is, but they might not know who the uh, Beach Boys, or have it in reverse. <laughs> many people don't know who the Beach Boys are, you know, fun, 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 and all, the, all those Beach Boys songs, but they might not know who Brian Wilson is. And how, how would you, what, what would your answer to that be for those who want to know who Brian Wilson is? I, I would say that Brian Wilson um, was the creative soul of the Beach Boys. He wrote or co-wrote all of the songs, I believe, or maybe there were, there were some songs that he did not write, but mm -hmm. he was, the vast majority of the songs he either wrote or co-wrote. And um, I don't know if he was the lead singer, if he was just, that, that was the one thing I wasn't sure from the movie um whether he was the lead singer but he was one of the lead singers um and he was as people then and now um called him a creative genius put him up there with you know all the the most amazing songwriters of all time basically 
Correct. Now, one of the things that the movie did not, and this is not, I don't think it's a spoiler alert uh, for those who don't, who don't know, but at the time we're recording, this is middle, what, middle, middle of January right now, you'll, you'll, um, you'll be hearing this first Monday in, in um, February, like I said, but th- there are currently two entities that are touring um, currently. One is the entity of the Beach Boys minus Brian Wilson. And the other entity is, of course, Brian Wilson. And not a a music podcast, so probably won't get into the, um, you know, all, all the whys for that, why there are, but the movie sort of touches on it in a way. Uh, one of the, um, well, I guess it, as, as far as some of some of the the static and, and friction between it, the movie depicts it as the Beach Boys were, were go, going on tour, and Brian wanted not me, not me, Brian, but the the, the Brian Wilson <laughs> uh, played, um, and, and the casting. And we, um, we're going to talk about the casting also, but um, the movie sets it up in a way, and I believe this is accurate as far as I can tell that they went on tour and Brian Wilson (laughs) stayed back to kind of you know work on uh, you know writing and and whatnot and when they returned that's when according to the movie that's when a lot of the 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 friction started yeah and from I did watch part of a documentary and I did a little bit of research of the, that part of the movie is pretty accurate that when they came back, they weren't really that sure about the music because it was so different and so new. They just weren't sure if that's who the Beach Boys were. So that was definitely a big deal. And, you know, I could imagine coming back and having, oh my goodness, like your sound is completely new and you didn't really get a say in it necessarily. Yeah you know, before the whole record is, is nearly done, except for, you know, basically the vocals, I believe was what was left at least. This is, this is me, you know, only knowing so much of the story, but that's sort of what I understand is that it was difficult to come back and not have that kind of control over your own record that you thought you might be having. Yeah, the, the movie presented in a way that I, I wasn't alive at this time, so I don't know, I'm, I'm presuming it's accurate, but when the Beatles came out with Rubber Soul and then Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club's band, and I say this as someone who loves Oasis, um, so <laughs> I'll always like Oasis better than the Beatles. N- nothing's mm-hmm. ever going to change my mind as far as that goes. But um, the movie kind of sets up that that that, that landscape, as it were, is insofar as while the while the rest of the Beatles were on tour back in the states or back in England, as, as it were, you had Rubber Soul come out and yet Sgt. Pepper come out, and they wanted to have the better album in a way, almost not quite a, a Stones Beatles rivalry, but more like a, a Beach Boys Beatles rivalry in a way right. to have, have the, the better record. Yeah, yeah, it, it, that, that time period was just amazing with the creativity. It just, you know, I don't know if there's even a other time period in the last 100 years that 
that creative and that interesting of music it's it it really you know you really get to know that um through watching the movie and just sort of the research around that time and you know I didn't live through that time either um but it was really cool you get to hear so much of the Beach Boys music and Brian Wilson's music in the movie so that's that's something I really loved about the movie and 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 that includes, by the way, Sloop John B, which mm-hmm. is technically a cover. It's not that's not a Beach Boy song. That's a cover. Um, I'm drawing a blank on who the original is by, but that is actually a cover. The oh, really? Sloop John B. And the and one of the things that that I noticed, and I'm not sure how much of this you noticed as well, but many of the songs that they were made a, made a point of mentioning in the film. Uh, God Only Knows being the other one as well as Sloop John B are two songs that are well known to a large degree as being about depression and about, um, you know, th- Dark Night of the Soul kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that I thought was, was kind of interesting. Uh, they were... Obviously, the, 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 and the casting, like I said, we're, we're going to get to that in just a moment. But the, um, I thought that was interesting that, that, that the songs that they sort of highlighted, in a way, were the very songs that are associated with the Depression. And, and, and with, yeah, it's really interesting, especially because in the, in the movie, the scene where we see, we first see Brian Wilson sort of, it looks like he's creating the song God Only Knows sort of in the moment on his piano singing. And he sort of is very hesitant at first and then he sort of gets into it more. We think he's alone and then the camera sort of yeah. moves around and you see his dad is there. Yeah, And a, he, his dad just hates on the song. His dad was a very violent man, very physically abusive. And he had been the manager of the Beach Boys and they had fired him because he was, you know, just did terrible things. And the dad just goes off on this is a bad song and, you know, it needs all this work. And, you know, you think you're so great, but you're not. And I that sort of ties into the depression. I would imagine that, you know, the physical abuse and, and the verbal abuse that, that Brian went through both as a kid and anytime he was really around his dad as an adult it feeds into that that mood the mood issues because he had schizoaffective or he has schizoaffective disorder which includes a a, a, for him i believe he had the bipolar type where he had or he has mania along with a depression and then some of the psychosis symptoms. Right. Now, on, on that point, the, the, the casting of the movie was, um, the, the, there were actually two Brian Will, two, two different actors playing Brian Wilson in different time periods. The, the, the younger Brian Wilson, who, uh, of, the, of the smile and, and Pet Sounds era, was played by Paul Dano from There Will Be Blood and, and from Little Miss Sunshine. Um, 
the present day, relatively present day, played by John Cusack, uh, a few, more than a few Easter eggs back to Say Anything and, mm -hmm. and High Fidelity, play, playing Brian, Brian Wilson, you know, present day. And what, how did you, how, how did you respond to that? Seeing, seeing, seeing the two, the two different Brian Wilsons side by side. I really side. liked it. Yeah, I, um, I thought they both did a great job. I also felt, you know, I, because um, they they do, and then they're very different um, time periods. They, it's more like it, it, so. The Paul Dano is more of like the sixties. Uh, Brian Wilson in his like twenties, and I think maybe goes into his thirties, and then um, you get John Cusack is more like eighties and early nineties, and I really like that. I, um, you know, a lot of times when you have the same actor and they play the character from like, you know, their twenties until their seventies, is you either age up or age down is the commentary that I think it was the director was talking on the commentary about that. And sometimes it can take you out of the movie, right? Yeah. And when you see somebody and they've got all these prosthetics on and you're like, or, or there's somebody who's like 40 and they're trying to play a teenager, <laughs> Yeah. you know, yeah. like I, I don't really buy you as a teenager. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'd like that. And, um, but one of the things that you have to have is to have two actors who can try to mirror themselves. Like they need to have a way to sort of communicate to find the uh, through, through line for the character. Mm -hmm. Definitely. No. Um, and, and there, and there was a definite, at least I felt there was a definite difference of the the casting um, stunt, for lack of a better word, I don't know if stunt would be the right word, as opposed to, uh, I think that there was a Bob Dylan movie uh, a few a few years where you had Bob Dylan played by I think it was, was it Heath Ledger and and Kate Blanchett and I forgot who the other one was, but that was more for the different eras of. Bob Dylan, you know, whether it's uh, the, the folk era Bob Dylan or, or the gospel CCM Bob Dylan or the, you know, you know, pick, 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 a, you know, pick, a, pick a number, you know, which <laughs> you didn't, you don't have that same level of chameleon like persona that you would have with the Dylan versus a, a, a Brian Wilson. And I, I sure. sort of took it to mean more reflective of you know, in in the th in the throes of what he was what he was dealing with versus being on 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 the you know the better side of recovery. Mm -hmm. Did did you mm -hmm. see it in in the same way, yeah. or did you see it differently than that? Um, I now that you're saying that, that makes a lot of sense to me. That wasn't sort of what I came up with in my head when I was mm -hmm. watching it, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Now. Of course, one thing that I don't, I'm presuming it may have been accurate, and it's a thing that I'm sort of, I don't really want to um, highlight because it's obviously not a, um, you know, and, and I'm referring to obviously the uh, the legal guardian 
character yeah who um and, and part of me when i when i've been when i watched this and i've seen it, the movie a couple times already but the part of when when i'm watching a part of what i worry about is though anyone whether it's whether it's a minor whether it's an adult who has a guardian or, or comparable um authority figure in their life part of me worries that they may see this movie and if they have someone overseeing their care that they could be fearful of, of that because of how uh, negligent for lack of a better word and irresponsible and controlling this legal guardian was to, to the point of for the the very first I mean the this character the, the, there's this the the doctor I don't know I think he might have been an actual doctor um, played by, by the Paul Giamatti who's that right there the, you know he's already good at playing um, <laughs> jerks yeah um, but the very first thing, when we see him like they're on a they're, he's on a date with um, the w- woman from the the car dealership. And she mentioned they're at a concert and he, and he leans over and he goes, what did you say? Like, I mean, how creepy is that? Yeah, super creepy. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, he was an actual doctor. Uh-huh. Um, and he, it, to his credit, he did help Brian Wilson get off drugs and lose weight and get out of his house. So he did something good, but it was really bad means. He was, it was a lot like his father. He was very, yeah. he was verbally abusive. He was physically abusive. And so Brian was under his um, control for how long? Decades? It, it was a long period. 15, 15 years on and off. I think it was something like 15 years. And, but finally, um, with the help of Melinda, his second wife, and we see their sort of romance in the movie, um, he was able to get out from under that that man. Now, do you know if he was there because of the record company and, and any contractual obligations, or was it already in place before that? Do, do you know? Um, I believe it was Brian's family who had hired okay. this, this okay. doctor to come in and, and, you know, see what they could do about him. I, I'm maybe the record company had something to do with it but okay. you know that's what um, that's how it went down from what i understand yeah but if 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 a movie needs a bad guy that guy would definitely be be the bad guy of the <laughs> movie e- easily <laughs> easily um do, do do you um think though that those who who are under under a guardian's care that there's something that that would frighten them as far as kind of worried that what could happen to them could you know do you do you feel that that's like a a warranted concern or do you um... i mean i think it's possible that it could worry some people you know because you know it's 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 i'm sure a scary position to be in um when you feel like somebody else has control of your life mm-hmm. um or maybe it, it feels good you know I, I i've never been you know obviously as a kid your parent exactly. or your guardian has control of your life 
as an adult, I don't know. I could imagine that you would feel out of control, even with the best person in the world. Mm-hmm. It could be, but the movie could be triggering to some people yeah. uh, in a situation where they had some kind of guardian. I could see that. Yeah. Well, what, um, and I just, it just occurred to me, I forgot to mention something like up front that I should have mentioned, particularly if you're going to be here once a month. And that question would be, and this will sound probably way out of order, but you know, oh well. <laughs> um, what 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 else have you been been watching lately? Like as we as we begin the new year and in, in, into February. Well, we're in February now when you're hearing this. But what what have what have you been been, been watching lately? Um, mental health movies, and um, the most recent one, other than Love and Mercy, I watched was uh, The Snake Pit. Oh, you did, and we—I oh. actually rewatched it because yeah. we had, you know, we we discussed this um, in emails. It's so for those of you who don't know, it's um, I want to say what 1932. I think it's what 40s. I want to say oh, 1940s. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 1940s movie about this woman um, who has uh, mental health disorder uh i'm not sure does she have schizophrenia or oh yeah nine, 1948 um, oh, okay. and hey wait and so is this going to be like a sneak preview to uh <laughs> next, next month in march maybe we should do that for the next month anyway yeah. the snake fit is a great movie about a young woman um who has some kind of psychotic disorder possibly schizophrenia She's in a mental uh, asylum and trying to, uh, there's a psychiatrist who's trying to find a way to reach her and get her to a spot where she can leave the, the asylum. And in a way, it's almost like a, like a 1940s melodrama version of Girl Interrupted, in a way. <laughs> that is a really good point. <laughs> It's it's really interesting because yeah it's the all women all female yeah. asylum yeah. and all the different personalities of the people who are there yeah. but that because yeah because with talking about girl interrupted for the last podcast that's, yeah. and not only that's that really but cool. it it has some I'm not gonna lie it has some negative stereotypes but they're not as egregious as the one that I'm not gonna mention yeah. That's very true. I mean, for the '40s, I think it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So that's that's probably the most recent one that I've watched or rewatched. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, I, as far as just like regular movies go, I just saw Tenet. Oh, you so did finally see that. Yeah. I did see Tenet. <laughs> Woo! But don't, don't, so don't you're gonna have to bite your tongue on that because i have not seen it yet oh <laughs> and okay and you know what you want to know what um I, I routinely walk out of movies or go to a different theater which not that not that i'm condoning it for those listening i'm not encouraging people to do that because you know movie theaters make their money by by concessions for those who don't know not you know, I hope that's not a newsflash for people listening. Uh, but I, I went to see Wonder, the, the Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. I made the mistake of, of walking out of that one before it was over. 
And now, because I did that, I don't know if it, I'm presuming it's not related, but the theater that I, I went to is now closed as of oh. a couple of weeks ago. So the last movie I saw in a theater was WW84. So I feel guilty now yeah, <laughs> that I didn't get to enjoy the whole yeah. movie in the theater and I can't go back. Well, I can go to a different theater if I want, but the one that I normally go to is now closed. So it's like, Brian, why did you walk? You know, so I can't <laughs> I, and I, and I left, right. I'm not spoiling anything, but I left at, I think the one hour, it was a long movie apparently, but I, I, I walked out at the point where they go to their destination where they're going. Cause I figured, it's not going to be the 80s anymore. So that's kind of why I wanted to see it because I'm kind of like the 80s. So I figured, okay, well, I, I don't know how much more 80s stuff there's going to be in this movie. So I kind of left at that point only for the theater they went to to close. So <laughs> talk about the worst luck. <laughs> see, I haven't been in the theater since, you know, February of last year. So, well, I was fortunate a that a lot of people that the movies, well, not that I wish ill will in any movie because obviously the you know not, not a good time for you know, a lot of, a lot of people but um the the theater when, when i went in i was the only one in the theater oh uh, yeah so See, that would yeah um but yeah so it's um yeah um snake bit though that's um that that's a textbook uh mental health film that the, you know what? There was a uh, remember those Leonard Maltin uh, video guides that were they had a some time. I don't think they're published anymore, but there was one that one entry I saw for the Snake Pit, uh-huh. and I, I'll never remember when I opened up and I and it said something like a "good movie, but it's nobody's favorite movie" or something like that. And I remember reading that and I, and I said, "What are you talking about? It's no one's favorite movie. I love that movie." And yet there, there was in a book saying it's nobody's favorite movie. And it's like, why would Leonard, and I don't think it was Leonard, it might've been one of his editors, but why would he put that, that it's no one's favorite movie? Right. You know, some of those guides, you know, sometimes the people who write them or edit them can get a little snotty. Yeah. Um, you know, that just sounds a little snotty to me. Yeah. But, um, but for, for those who, um, do have musical inclinations and are going through um, challenges, be it bipolar or depression or et cetera. Love and Mercy, though, is a movie that in, in many ways can be very inspiring and, and it's inspirational in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. True. I mean, it really shows how you can um, live and survive and, and get through maybe not get through because you never get through. You just live with your mental health issues. And for Brian, you know, he had one of his biggest symptoms was the auditory hallucinations. But um, it it seemed that he used some of that um, in his music. You know, he used some of, of the hallucinations, he used some of the issues. And he also like so many other artists of any kind um, sort of plumb the depths of his, his struggles in order to write his music and create and be there. You know, you'd think of 
um, the different songs, like the Love and Mercy song that he wrote about, you know, sort of asking for, for love and mercy and, and telling people, I hope you have love and mercy, mm-hmm. you know, how important it is to, to find that and to ha- how that gets you through your day, basically. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think that um, and I hate to, I hate to use this word, but in the in the context of what I'm asking, it, it would be appropriate to use. Um, do you think that quote unquote normal people would get less out of the movie than? And what I mean by that is a lot of the detail as far as the the the, the recording and even even the session musicians. Who it kind of who were who were the wrecking crew? They were they were mm-hmm. the, the, the the they were employed by the record company, so they kind of were not with the band, but they were kind of for hire in a way. But the level of detail in in the recording part of it, I think a lot of quote unquote nor, normal quote unquote people watching it, it it's going to fly over their head easily. I, I do think that's quite possible. You know, it's hard for me to know because I'm <laughs> I've never really been normal. So yeah. <laughs> what, 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 you know, normal in quotes people, yeah. what, how they would view this. I think that, yeah, I think that there would definitely be parts of this that would be, that people wouldn't really get if they hadn't gone through some kind yeah. of struggle and some kind of mental health struggle. Yeah, because... Sure. Yeah, because the album that he's recording, uh, I think it's Smile, that album was bootlegged and boot. This is obviously pre-internet, obviously, but was bootlegged and bootlegged and bootlegged. And it finally got released, I think, in the 90s, I, I want to say, or early, early zeros, whatever that you'd call that decade. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember hearing that for the first time. And, I, and I, my first reaction was, there's no way someone in the 60s, even if they're in the 60s, there's no way someone in the 60s would, would like this because it, it was just all over the place. Mm-hmm. There was a track on, and I don't think it was on, I don't think it was dramatized in the movie, but there was a track on, on Smile that was wind chimes. And that's all it was. It was a minute or two of, you know, those wind chimes that are on people's yards. It was, it sounded exactly like if he had held up a tape recorder and recorded the wind chimes. And I think that's the name of the track, wind chimes. Wow. And, it, and it's like, that's not not a like a Casey Kasem number one top 40 radio <laughs> right there. It's just not. <laughs> but the, the, the record quality of it is pristine. Absolutely pristine. <laughs> now I got to go back and listen to that whole record, I think, because I haven't. <laughs> listen to every song on that and that's gonna have to be my next step after yeah, and- we get off is to listen to that whole uh record yeah the it's um just for, from the songs i did here and there's one i think it was on smile about vegetables yeah i, I believe this- it <laughs> <laughs> about eating your vegetables i was yeah. I, I I just saw a snippet of that in a doc, and I'm like, wow, that's an <laughs> interesting song. So that's everybody's uh, that's everybody's homework after this episode. Go and listen yeah. to Smile, any version, whether it's a bootleg version or whether it's the the official you know reissued version. Uh, that's everybody's homework. You're okay with that homework assignment, right? I can do that. 
That can definitely be that. <laughs> uh, that won't be terrible. I think, yeah. uh, I think it won't be terrible. I think yeah. it will be great. Oh, and then plus, I just thought of something because it was reissued, well, well, officially reissued anyway, that means some of the original versions, which only show up on bootleg, were maybe the, the, the way that he intended it to be. Ah. Because they, they like I know there was some some lines in the movie about hearing someone in the background and and that's not uncommon. I mean it's not terribly common, but it's not it's not unheard of. I know there's been going back to Bob Dylan again. I know there's been some that, that officially released bootleg, and I, I know this is obsolete because I think Bob Dylan late last year, early this year, sold all his records. So I think that's this obsolete at that moment now, but mm -hmm. prior to him selling, I'm referring to Bob Dylan, um, there were outtakes where you would hear him going, you know, son of a bitch, you know, he, he would just, whatever was like, how, not like a podcast where he keeps <laughs> recording anyway and doesn't bother to press stop until he feels like it. Um, so that's not uncommon actually. Uh, if they they wipe it out in, in you know post production, that's one thing. But that's not terribly un uncommon for a lot of music of of that era. Yeah, Even and I've definitely heard albums since then where they'll have at least a track or two where you hear them saying something like that. Yeah, you know, like cut it again or something like that, <laughs> where you hear it at the end of the track. Yeah. There's a Tori Amos song, and I can't remember the name of the song, but at the end, you hear, at the very end of the song, you hear "Cut It Again" or, or saying that. Yeah. So that's what it made me think yeah. of. Now you had made mention earlier about the the documentary um, side side of this. Was there anything that was that was in documented that kind of stuck out for you that? was kind of overlooked in, in the love and mercy version or um, something that, that maybe was in there or, 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 or the opposite. Right. No. Um, I think that, I mean, to me, love and mercy is perfect. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you could have tried to fit in different things from the doc or you could, the, the movie, um, you know, I, I think that if they tried to make it longer, it would not have been as good as it was I, I don't think i could say there's anything that i have sort of learned in my information about um the different you know what what research i have done in the the doc i was i was watching about brian wilson um the only thing i guess i might have liked was a little bit even a few minutes more about the the in bed time because he was in bed for almost three years or he, uh, Brian Wilson, in the 70s, I believe it was, that he was in bed, just stayed in bed, hardly left the house ever for almost three years. And in, um, and he was, because of his depression, was the main thing that was keeping him in there. And there was and, actually a line in the movie also where mm -hmm. she asks him, okay, is, is that true? And he goes... He goes, no, it, it was, it was like four years. I think he gave, he gave a bigger number than what she, she had asked. Right. So like right. Like years, I, goes, no, I think, three years. Yeah, exactly. And there was a little bit about it, but it would, that part was very interesting to me, that whole thing. You know, I struggle with depression and, and I could see 
that whole thing of not wanting to leave. I mean, I get very isolated sometimes not wanting to leave my house unless I have to. So I was very much relating to him in that whole, you know, because it can be scary when, you know, you, you don't want to sort of face the outside world and, and at least not more than you have to. So uh, that was something that I really, really tapped into that. It really felt to me like something that I could experience in my own life. And it also speaks to something that's been a recurring theme on the podcast, uh, or, or, you know, undoubtedly a uh, recurring theme, and that's the healing power of art, whether it's, mm-hmm. whether it's music, whether it's film, film, obviously, <laughs> it's a part of the subject name, but um, th- that, that does speak to the healing power of art, because yeah. if it weren't for, for that art, who knows where Brian Wilson would would be. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There, there's no saying. I mean, anything could have happened to him if he hadn't been able to do that. You know, um, I know that for a long time he's, you know, well, I don't know how when he started touring again. What was that? 10, 15 years ago. But uh, from the interviews I had seen from him from a few years ago, he couldn't imagine not touring anymore so sort of thinking about him when i read about that like how is he doing right now yeah i hope he's doing okay with doing that but you know i mean i definitely you know for me movies are the art that keeps me going and writing for me is what keeps me going so that's really important to me um consuming and creating is is part of what gets me going Good deal. And me as well. Um, now, and, and on that point, I did want to mention for those listening, I know that many the people listening today um, aren't doing too well. Um, you might not have gotten out of bed today at all. And so I did want to remind you that, that, that you're not alone. And if the one productive thing that you end up doing today is listening to this podcast, I'm, I'm proud of you for for that one productive thing that you've done, you've done today. So uh, remember that, that, that you're, you're not alone. No, you're not alone. And, you know, I've been there. A lot of people have been there and we care about you and we hope that, you know, you can keep going and keep struggling, keep surviving. It's tough. It's tough, but you know, it's, we really hope that uh, you get something out of listening to this podcast and enjoy it. Definitely. And, uh, and on the point, I did want to mention a, a few more resources. There is uh, Mental Health America. They're at mhanational.org. There's also NAMI, N-A-M-I, National Alliance on Mental Illness, nami.org. There's also madinamerica.com. They have more the, the research article sort of sort of material. Um, but, um, and thank you for, for being here um, today. Yes, thank you. And, thank you. Um, and again, sneak preview. Was that a sneak preview as far as snake pit for? Uh, I don't know. Are we doing snake pit? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm good with snake pit. Might be snake pit. So, so stay tuned for the first Monday 
next month in in March. So, uh, but but and thanks for being here today. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, so much fun, so much well, fun. I just it, it was a great time. Like likewise. Likewise, and um, thank you those of you at home or on your way to work or wherever you may be. Um, stay safe, everyone, and um, talk to you next time. Uh, bye.